Hey book partiers, Shannon, one of the BGs at the VP here. Just wanted to let you know that we fucked up the audio on this here bonus episode and we're sorry about it, but what we're not sorry about is the super sick book wrecks that you're about to hear. So keep listening, okay? Bye. Hi. What's up? Y'all. We're back. We're here. It's us, Rosa and Shannon, the brown girls at the book party. We're happy to be here. I'm I'm happy to be here. This is a bonus episode, guys. So this is like we were talking about, pardon me for a moment. Um, she farted. <laughs> we were talking about how we're like trying to, this we're, we're new to this thing and like we're trying to figure out the format and how to share with you the things that we want to share with you and also like create a space where you get to know us a little bit. So bonus episode it is. And that's us, that's it. Today, as 2022 has just come to a close, bye. we have been, bye girl, <laughs> we've been very reflective about our, um, our year in books. And so we decided to pick our top three, each of us, our top three favorite books of the year. And we're going to share them with you today. Can we first just hold a little bit of space for the challenge that is created Self-inflicted challenge in having to choose only three books. It's hard. It's hard. It is. It is hard. I talked about this a little bit in um, episode one of We Deserve Monuments when we said that we were going to be doing this episode. That I did not have the most excellent year in books in 2022. So I would like to clarify. I did read a lot of great books. But the volume of like really excellent books that will stick with me forever, very low. Very, very low. So actually, um, I could pick five very easily. But then from those five, picking the top three of those five was hard. I didn't read nearly as many books as I generally do. Um, but I still, I still struggled. Yeah. Because the ones that I did read that I could recall were really good. Yeah. Well, let's get to it. Shit, yeah. I'm gonna, uh, I think we should start from book three. Do you wanna go first? I mean, <laughs> no, I want you to go okay. first. All right. All right, so in order, my third favorite book of the year, which was very, very hard for me to pick, was Sorrow and Bliss. And I do not remember the author's name. I'm pretty deep right now. I should have written that down. I didn't do my homework, guys. She's researching as we speak. Meg Mason. So, um, we're not going to give you, like, a detailed synopsis of each book. We are very hopeful that you will be moved to go out and read these books. This book was the first book that ever made me feel very extremely seen in my personal experience with my um, multiple diagnoses diagnoses that's right in my mental health um this book is really interesting because it chooses so the main character um has a diagnosis we don't learn it until later in the book 
we do know that she is m mentally unwell. And they choose not to name what the diagnosis is. Like the author intentionally did that. And so they call the diagnosis X throughout oh. the entire book. Um, you know, for, I think, some obvious reasons, probably because of the stigma um, around the way that we would immediately identify if she did name whatever um, the diagnosis is. But also, I think, to make it more relatable um, so that we could see ourselves in the pages of these books. I had mentioned in the last episode of the pod that we recorded that um, I read a lot of, like, British and Irish books last year. And this was one of those. Like, basically, my audiobook forums just... I would listen to one and I would love it. And then they just kind of kept re recommending books similar. Which is essentially, they were all, like... British and or Irish American dramas. Um, and this one was really heavy, but also so freeing. Um, the way that, that she really talks about her mental health and the evolution of it. It's over like the span of two decades. And oh, well. it's really good and I really recommend it. I just wrote it down yeah. because... You know, it's the beginning of the year, so we're creating those TBR lists. You sure are. Also, I listened to Sorrow and Bliss, and I recommend listening to it. The I'm very picky about, um, like, auto, auto, audio narration, mm -hmm. and she does a really good job. I mean, she has a beautiful British accent, so, like... Read by the author? No, not oh, read right. by the author. I don't think so. I don't think so. So that was my number three. Um, I... I Again, highly recommend Sorrow and Bliss by Meg Mason. What was your number three, Shannon? My number three, surprise, surprise, um, is a thriller. What? <laughs> a mystery thriller. I read so many of them and I actually struggled between picking this one as number three or another one as my number three, which was written by an indigenous author and I just finished it and I really loved it. Um, but... My number three, um, Breathless by Amy McCullough. McCullough? McCullough? Amy? Anyway. Is it like L-L-O-U-G-H? L-L-O-C-H. Um, so this was released in May of 2022. Um, and it's a story about a female journalist. Um, so the, the author is a Chinese, she identifies as a Chinese white author. Um, and the main character in the book um, is also, well, she's Chinese. I don't know if she identifies as Chinese white. Um, she's a journalist and she is going to climb the eighth highest peak in the world with a world-renowned mountaineer um and she's gonna like she's interviewing him um it was a difficult thing for her to get this um this time with him he was someone who's difficult to interview and he was like you can interview me if you can do this climb with me um but then murder on the mountain happens the reason that i i still 
it is not often that I am like, oh my gosh, you have to read this mystery or this thriller. Um, because they are just like, for me, I read so many of them and it's just like 100% like pure quick entertainment for me. Um, but in this one, in this book, Breathless, I felt like I learned so much about mountaineering and about how intense it is um like the the physical um nature of climbing like what is needed to climb these mountains Dang. and like the people uh like the sherpas who are up there like helping people climb the mountain and th there's so much of it that is is so very true because the author amy is also like in her free time a mountaineer so mm -hmm. she she also climbs and so she brings into this like really twisty turny um wild thriller a lot of like real life this is what happens when you're climbing I giant feel, peaks i feel like that's a testament to good writing because i feel like describing a very like specific niche thing like that that's physical is not easy to do you know yeah I mean I was like certainly captivated by the story and by who like the killer was you know mm. in the camp and all of that um but for sure was it was it um were you expecting who it was no did it surprise you it did surprise me yeah oh wow as a, as a person who reads a lot of those I feel like that's also a good testament yeah I was, it was book. one of those like, what? Yeah. Damn, it was also the like... kind of like book that I just like could not read fast enough. Oh yeah. And I read it in like, you know, two or three sittings. Hell yeah. But that I couldn't, that I just great. couldn't read it fast enough. What was it called? One Breathless one? by Amy McCullough. Yeah, I think it's McCulloch. <laughs> Amy, we're so sorry. <laughs> I loved your book you. and I can't wait for the next one. So <laughs> okay. Number two. Y'all, okay. My number two is The Mothers by Britt Bennett. I have to say that the reason that I found this author, so the, this was her debut novel, but she wrote it many, several years ago. The first book that both Shannon and I read, and I think actually part of our like book friend origin story in a way, we were already friends, but we weren't talking about books. Yeah. As much as reading The Vanishing Half, which we read somewhat overlapping, I feel like, at the same time-ish. Yeah, because we both read The Vanishing Half and then Black Cake. Yes. Like, one after the other together. So, The Vanishing Half by Britt Bennett is, was one of the best books that I read in 2021. So, I was really excited to, re to add The Mothers to my TBR. But I'm sure all of us here, those of us who are avid bookworms... Sometimes I get a little anxiety when I'll read the second book by an author that I loved because I am already have this like super high set expectation. Totally. And sometimes it does not meet it. I wouldn't say always or even often, but it's frequent enough that it is a thing for me. The Mothers did not disappoint. I felt it was a little bit of a missed opportunity because I had made some content on social media um, right after Roe versus Wade was overturned regarding yeah um books about unplanned pregnancy and abortion 
And I read The Mothers like shortly after I made that content and I was very mad that I was not able to add it because um, that is what the book is about. It's about a young teenage girl who gets pregnant and chooses to have an abortion. And she lives in a small religious community. Um, her father is very avid in the church. Um, and there are... Britt Bennett writes layers of drama in this like very subdued way that is very beautiful. So there's like these really dramatic things happening in her books, but there's a calm quiet about them while you're sort of moving through them. She is an incredible author and her character development is just so beautiful. Um, and these like somewhat like Shakespearean things happen in these books that are unbelievable you're like well that's not real like that that thing is like it's too choreographed it feels like it couldn't happen but the thing is so many things in life happen like that that can feel so unbelievable to us and she writes them in such a believable way um they're just so entertaining they're so entertaining and they're really good food for thought like they just mm. kind of leave you with these really obscure and like different ideas about the way that we think about race and the way that we think about gender and the way that we think about abortion and all of these big, huge subjects. And she makes, she makes those big, huge subjects really approachable. Like you can sink your teeth into them and like really understand the nuance a little bit better. I loved it very much. I haven't read it, but I have it and it, like every time I look at the bookshelf, I'm like, I need to read this book. And yeah. It's also a short read. It's not super long. Um, it feels really digestible in that way. So yeah. Yeah. She's great. Um, yeah. So my number two is actually a book that Rosa gave me not that long ago called, mm -hmm. um, grief is love by Marissa Renee Lee. Okay. Um, she is a black woman who, this is a nonfiction, um, who is writing about grief, if, in case you didn't gather that from the title. Um, I think- And so, also love. And also love, yeah. What I really love about it, um, it's a book I think that I, it's a book that I carry with me just about every day. Um, and I read I reread parts of it. Um, you know, I think when when talking about grief, the common refrain is like, "When will when will I be able to move on, like past this grief and past this loss?" But um, Marissa, much like um, someone that we love very much, Nora McInerney. Um, talks about moving forward with grief and what, you know, that you don't, it's not about moving on. It's about like figuring out who you are now and harnessing that grief into love. Um, and that healing from grief is creating a space where that love can be honored um and affirmed and stay with you 
you know, throughout time. Um, I think it's just so, it's such a smart book. It's such a necessary book. And I think, especially because I think white folks, <laughs> um, the, like, the common thing when there is loss that we hear, especially like at my, my dad is white, is like, shit happens, everybody dies, like, but, but like, I'm watching my dad, like, fall apart at the loss of his brother, um, and that is, that is, like, such a white thing, right, to, like, you gotta just, like, pick yourself up and move on yeah. and get through the next day, but I think that, also, like, my mom is Mexican, and my mom is indigenous, and so this, like, there's this other side that, that says, but, like, that person, like, we can't just move on. Like, a whole-ass human being is gone from our lives, and, like, how can we move forward in that while still keeping them with us every day? Um, and I think what Marissa does is, is she says, like, you don't have to just move on like you don't have to pretend like you're not in excruciating pain because of loss um and I just I love it I think it's so smart I think it's so timely um it's so necessary and yeah I don't think that when you gave it to me you knew even what you were giving me but no I saw it on Instagram <laughs> Y'all know I am. If you've been listening long enough, you know I love a targeted ad. Okay? I am truly an elder, elder millennium in that way. Well, that targeted ad has hashtag blessed me. Yes. Good. I'm so <laughs> glad. I'm glad that it's become so important to you. It's interesting to hear you say that you feel like it is white, a white culture thing to sort of brush off the existence of grief. I think that it's certainly like a white male thing. For mm -hmm. sure, in general. Mm -hmm. But in my experience, my Filipino family really shuns the idea of processing difficult things. It is a thing mm -hmm. we do. We do not do that in our family. And I think that that is also very typical of Asian, America, uh, Asian culture in general. Most Asian cultures. My white family is so good at, like my grandmother, my grandma Bunny, passed... A few years ago, and it, it we are very good about holding space for that and talking about it, and um, so that's interesting because I think that you're right; it is true, but but there's also, um, I don't know, there's also this, there's difficulties, right, in in us being able to honor our emotions. I feel like as as yeah. people of color, yeah, and making space for that. I think also, like. Maybe it's too, um, maybe, I don't know. I mean, my experience is that white culture doesn't do well with grief. But I think the other part of that is that we are, like, capitalism does mm -hmm. not allow us to hold space for grief, right? right? Like, you get your bereavement days. It's like, like, maybe if you live, if you work in a space that, affords you that and it in that time in those three days you're supposed to be done you come back right. and your productivity is supposed to there's no opportunity for there's no processing um, for money 
in grief. So, you know, right. Yeah. Yeah. It's actually just like a distraction. It's a problem. It doesn't allow you to do the thing that capitalism says you're supposed to do on this earth, which is to make money for other people. So, Mm. Oh gosh, you know, that is the worst. (laughs) Um, but yeah, highly, highly recommend if you have lost, um, a loved one, if you know someone who has lost Mm. a loved one, I think it is a great book to take in that you don't have to read cover to cover. Like, you know, you can read it section by section, chapter by chapter, and you are going to, in every page, glean some really, like, really valuable wisdom that you can either use for yourself or to understand your loved one's processing of grief a little bit better. I love that. Grief is love. Grief is love. Okay. Number one. Are you ready? I, I, I feel like I know what it's going to be. I think you might. So, interestingly, going back to having said that I didn't read a ton of like extremely moving, important books this year, I did read what has become my number one favorite book of all time. Period. The end. Period. Actually, it's right here. How convenient is that? Um... <laughs> I got this as an ARC um, in, geez, 2019. And I it just sat on my shelf for so long. Uh, somebody gave it to me. I didn't even get it as a, as an advanced reader's copy. Somebody else did, and then they, they gave, gave it to me. It is called Ask Again, Yes. It is by Mary Beth Keen. It is the best book I have ever read in my entire life, not to be dramatic. Um, it is an Irish American tale. Weird. Uh, spanning many generations of family drama and possibly like the most beautiful love story I've ever read. I had to, I cry. This book made me cry so hard that I often like had to put it down, but it's essentially about, it's about these two families that grow up in a small suburb on the East Coast, um, right next door to each other. The fathers work together as police officers and they each have children, a boy and a girl around the same age. And those kids become best friends and have this like very intense and um, special bond at a very, very young age. But the mothers do not like each other. The fathers are best friends. The mothers have a hard time with each other. And one of the moms is very, very, very mentally unwell. Um, but all of it is happening, I think, in like the 80s or 90s. And so nobody really has like the context to understand what this woman is going through. Mm. And a very tragic, tragic things ha- thing happens when these kids are teenagers that separates them. And makes it so that they can no longer have a connection to each other. And then they find each other later in life. I like hate even describing anything about this book. Because (laughs) it does not do justice to its enormous beauty. Um, I mean, Mary Beth Keen is a really talented writer. So part of what I loved about it were just that the words, the words were just so beautiful. When an author is able to conjure like so many different analogies and like so many, so much imagery just over and over and over again to the point where you're like, 
is this person literally an alien? Is this like a <laughs> robot? Like where, how does anybody have this many, be this so much beauty in their brain? Oh, it, it's just incredible. It's a really, really good book. It ends so beautifully and um, I'm going to read it at least once a year, every year for the rest of my life. So. Holy shit. Yeah. This is also a book that after you read it, you texted me and said something about like buy this book immediately yeah and i did uh but i still haven't read it oh you should read it but tbr tbr 2023 i feel like you will really like it i have a hard time wrapping my head around anybody not liking it but that's probably my own problem i'm sure a lot of people don't like it um I don't think it's exactly your typical book your typical book oh because it's not a mystery thriller yeah, but you know I what? read other things. No, I'm just kidding. That's not why. Just because, but but there is an aspect of mystery to this book. And um, I don't know, man. It's just perfect. It is It is also really, tra- like, there's a lot of tragedy that goes on in it. I mean, I'm so called to that. It's just like trauma and tragedy for sure. Um, it can be likened to all the things I never said. And Little Fires Everywhere. I feel like it has a really similar vibe. I did love Little Fires Everywhere. Yeah. I mean, who's that author? I can't remember her name. Celeste something. Yeah. Yep. Right. Um, She's an incredibly talented author. Um, So a very similar vibe to that. I will say there is absolutely no diversity in this book at all. Like at all. I mean, Irish American. Right. What are you going to do? It's the nature of the story. Um, but it feels important to mention that on this year podcast, Brown Girl Book Party. Sometimes, sometimes we read and love things by white authors too. Do you know what it means to like anything in 2023 that you just like lots of problematic things? (laughs) Hashtag problems. Hashtag problems. All right, it's your turn. Number one book for you, Shannon. So here's the deal with my number one book is I do not generally read as much nonfiction as I did this year. Mm. Um, I do read plenty of it like for for work in order to help sort of like like bolster the work of my team and and that. But this year, as a result of my own trauma, I did read a lot of nonfiction. And my book, my number one book is Rest is Resistance um, by Trisha Hersey. I love this book. I love this book. And I think everyone should read it. Um, But in particular, I think that women of color should read it. Um, So... There is something called um, the NAP Ministry, which you can follow on Twitter or Instagram, um, which is founded by Trisha Hersey. She's an artist, a poet, a theologian. Um, she's called the NAP Bishop. And the whole, the central um, claim in this book is that we can push back against capitalism and white supremacy um by resting that rest is connection to rest is liberating um and that rest is the foundation of healing 
and that rest allows us to daydream. And um, it is, it's, it is a absolutely beautiful work. Um, and I think that anything that starts with the question, like, so one of the first questions in the book is what would it be like to live in a well-rested world? And I am obsessed with the idea or the framework of community care and that in order to activate community care, we do need to center rest and we do need um, to be people who can like model care by caring for ourselves. Mm -hmm. Um, and this book is like, it's described as, um, an illuminating light on our troubled relationship with rest. And it shows us how to imagine and dream our way to a future where rest is exalted. Like there are parts of this book that just like bring me to my knees, like both as both because like the words that she like her wordsmithing is incredibly powerful but also because like i realized that like that she has activated a part of my imagination that has been so stifled mm. by capitalism and productivity mm. um this little section i read to myself almost every day and it says i wish you rest today I wish you a deep knowing that exhaustion is not a normal way of living. You are enough. You can rest. You must resist anything that doesn't center your divinity as a human being. You are worthy of care. Like, damn, y'all. This book is so, so, so good. When I found out she was writing a book, I just about peed myself with excitement. And... This is another book. Like, I shit you not, I carry Rest is Resistance and Grief is Love with me to and from work every day. And, like, in my moments of I'm going to light my hair on fire, I can flip open to pages of either one of my top two books and feel a sense of, like, knowing that can, that brings me back to a baseline. That's really beautiful. I I love that. I love books as care. I mean, that's what these books are doing for you. They're caring for you. Yeah, totally. And in a way that like also fiction has cared for me, like oh, yeah. over the years, it just, it just happens that this year was a total <laughs> shit show of trauma. And yeah, these two, like, I think I also want to take a moment to say like the two women that held me up through their words, happen to be black women. And holy shit, if black women do not carry so much in terms of like the labor and like the liberation work, not only for black folks, but for so many of the rest of us too. Like liberation work is really founded on black women who have centered care and community i love that i also just want to say that we don't hate nonfiction. we just know it's not superior yeah i'm i like 100 percent prefer 
fiction. But there are moments. But there are moments when nonfiction, moments. yeah, when For nonfiction sure. comes, you know, rises to the top. And, you know, I think every year my top like 10 books will include one or two nonfiction yeah. books because I read a lot of like, you know, like abolitionist work and like, you know, I read a lot of shit yeah. by authors who are great and nonfiction has really helped shape sort of my like political leanings and etc. But I love I love fiction. I love that. Well, fam. That's it. We hope you read our books. Our sure recs. Our recommendations. Thank you for coming. Uh, we want to encourage you to check out the Patreon. Um, Patreon.com Patreon slash Brown Girl Book Party. Brown Girl Book Party. Yeah. Um, we love to have you here. And we will see you at the end of this month, January 2023. The last Saturday of the month, which I don't know at the top of my hand right now. Um, to talk about We Deserve Monuments by Jazz Hammonds, our January book of the month. We encourage you to purchase a copy of this book at A Seat at the Table in Elk Grove, California, or wherever you get your brown, BIPOC, and queer authored books. Thanks, fam. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Um, I think I fucked